0: And now, Virgin Most Powerful Radio is pleased to present Hands-On Apologetics
1: with renowned Catholic author and apologist Gary Machuta.
0: Welcome, everybody, to Hands-On Apologetics. You have entered into Virgin Most Powerful's Apologetics Dojo. It's great to be with you today. And, uh, man, it's already Thursday, almost done with the week. And uh, you know what? When you're working out, you want to be strong throughout the whole uh, course of uh, weightlifting or whatever you're doing. You want to finish strong. So here we are in the final lap, so to speak, of this week in apologetics. And so we're going to finish strong because, uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to have a good friend of the show and, uh, one guy that I, I love because, uh, man, he really kicks the energy level up here in the dojo and that's Keith Nestor, Catholic convert and, uh, also a devotee of the rosary. And we're going <laughs> to, we're going to talk about this. Now, I, I love the title he gave for, uh, his topic today because, uh, man, talk about clickbait. Uh, it's called Three Things All Catholics Need to Know Right Now. Three things all Catholics need to know right now. What would those three things be? Well, you're going to have to listen on the other side of the break when Keith Nestor comes on. And we're going to talk about uh, some uh, very important uh, aspects that every Catholic should know. So uh, I'll I'll leave it more as a mystery for our people. And uh, you can find out as the program Unveils in the meantime on this side of the break we 're going to do what we always do we 're going to sharpen our critical thinking skills and learn a little bit about the early church with our finding the fallacy and our meet the early church fathers segments and today 's finding fallacy is a very very common fallacy that if you 're going to be defending the faith, you really need to know. How to identify this fallacy and how to destroy it. And it is the straw man fallacy. Straw man fallacy, also, we're going to meet an early church father. And uh, this is an interesting early church father. It uh, is a church historian, not Eusebius, but another uh, one of the great early church historians, and that is Zosimen, Zosimen Scholasticos. And so we're going to learn a little bit a little about this uh, uh, early historian, uh, historian in the church and uh, all sorts of other great things as well. So that's what's going to happen right now. But first, I want to welcome all of you to the show, beginning with our live stream audience and also all of you listening on radio around the country and also via podcast around the world. Welcome aboard. Hi, everybody. Uh, great to have you with us today. And, uh, by the way, you know, I, every show I point this out because, uh, apologetics, it's being an apologist is often like being a, um, pharmacist in that you are, uh, one of your goals is to give good resources, uh, that will help treat difficulties and clear up misunderstandings. And so like a good pharmacist, you have to have uh, some resources that you can hand out to the appropriate people. And so every show, I always point this out that you can use this show itself as uh, one of those things that you can help others. And that is uh, all you have to do is go to either the handy dandy phone app or the flagship website, which is org, And you can download the show. You can share the show. Maybe you're going to a meeting or something, and you won't be able to listen to the whole of Keith Nestor. Maybe you'll only find one of the three things that every Catholic needs to know. Uh, and you want to find out what the other two are. Well, all you have to do is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, scroll down to Hands-On Apologetics, or you know any of the other great programs that Virgin Most Powerful produces, and bam, you have the whole show right there at your fingertips. Previous shows you can listen to, you can download, you can share with others, and that is part of ministry, you know. uh, You don't have to know everything about the faith. Sometimes it's more important to know uh, know where to get resources to help explain things about the faith. And uh, so I I highlight this every program. I highlight the website, highlight the uh, phone app. Because uh, it's part of ministry. It's part of being an apologist is to have great material in a storehouse of great material that you can share with people. So please do that. And by the way, while doing that, you also further the ministry and the outreach of Virgin Most Powerful Radio by telling people about us. So we truly appreciate it. Okay. Also, I want to mention, if you need to get a hold of me, you'd like to share something, um, that uh you're working on or you're maybe talking to somebody or maybe you know somebody who's doing a great job on social media defending the faith and you think they'd make a great guest let me know all you have to do is send me an email questions at handsonapologetics.com and uh, i appreciate it by the way if you're going to do that If you're going to recommend somebody, please send a couple of links as well. And right before the show, in fact, uh, there was one such person that uh, I got in contact with, and we will probably have her on sometime in May. So uh, I, I love giving spotlight. I love giving a leg up to people who are starting ministry. It's so hard sometimes to get off the ground because there's just so many people out there, and it's hard to get some sort of recognition. So if you know somebody who's doing a great job that maybe isn't getting a lot of recognition, it'd be my honor to uh, use this as a platform to get them a little bit more exposure because after all, uh, we're all members of the body of Christ. We're all on the same team and uh, that's part of our mission to help each other. All right. So let's go to the finding the fallacy for today, which is the straw man fallacy. Straw man fallacy is a form of argument and an informal fallacy of having the impression of refuting an argument, whereas the real subject of the argument was not addressed or refuted, but instead replaced with a false one. Now, many of us are familiar with straw men uh, or scarecrows, for example. You know, scarecrows are uh, uh, these dummies that are made by farmers. They use uh, human clothes and they stuff them with hay. So they appear to be human, and uh, the, the clothes, the figures, scare away the birds from the crops. So they look like they're humans, but they really aren't. They're just full of straw. Hence the name Straw Man Fallacy, because it looks like another person's position, when actually it's not. It's all fake. It just has the outward appearances of the position, but it's something quite different. Um, so, th- when you engage in a straw man fallacy, what you do is you misrepresent your opponent's position or arguments, and instead you argue against something that sounds kind of like your opponent's position, but really isn't. And that, that's what makes it so uh, deceptive. Many times, uh, you know, I, I watch all sorts of videos, most of them are not Catholic videos, and when they try to quote unquote refute Catholicism, nine times out of 10, it's a straw man fallacy. They dress up a position that sounds kind of like what the Catholic church teaches, but it isn't. And then they beat the tar out of it. And of course, in the comment sections, you have all these, uh, you know, hip, hip, hooray, great job, really destroyed it. But the thing is, yeah, they destroyed the argument, but the problem is that's not the teaching of the church it's really just something that sounds a little bit like the teaching of the church but really isn't uh, by the way the opposite of a straw man is a steel man so instead of dressing something up to look like another person's argument a steel man actually takes the actual argument and makes it stronger and if you want to see some great steel manning uh, just read saint thomas aquinas's summa theologica because he often takes people, people's objections and makes them stronger, and then he refutes the stronger version of the arguments. Uh, straw man fallacy. The best way to detect and destroy a straw man fallacy is to be well catechized. That's part of defending the faith: is to know the faith. It's, a, it's a, apologetics is an extension of catechesis. So, uh, if you know the faith very well you'll be able to spot a straw man a million miles away because you'll just be able to discern immediately. Wait a second. That's not quite true. That's more of a caricature. That's not what the church teaches. And that's all you have to do is when you encounter a straw man, just you need to kind of pull back the veil and say, no, this is what the church teaches. It doesn't teach that. Or uh, something to that effect, you know, you, you need to catechize and catechesis will destroy the straw man. So that's our finding of the fallacy for today, the straw man fallacy. Let's meet our early church father for today, who is, if you want the full name, Solomon Hermas Zosamin Scholasticos, otherwise known as Zosamin or Zosamin the Historian. Uh, Zosamin was born in Bethlehem near Gaza in southern Palestine of a pious Christian family. Little enough is known of his life, surprise, surprise, because most early church fathers we don't have a lot of personal info info about. Uh, After traveling to Italy, he settled in Constantinople where, uh, like Socrates, he practiced law. Now, Socrates here is referring to another church historian also known as Socrates. Uh, no date can be assigned for his birth, his death. Uh, all, all we can say was he was alive in 439 AD and uh, chances are he probably just survived shortly afterwards. He did leave us the history of the church which was written around 439, 450 AD. Uh, one of his two histories of the church. The first one covers a period from the ascension of our Lord to the fall of Lycanius in 323 AD. But this did not survive the ages. Uh, what did survive was the second book, which covers the years 323 to 43980. And that is our early church father for today, Zoza the Historian. Coming up next, we're going to be chatting with Keith Nesker about three things every Catholic should know right now. Now back to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888. 888- 526-2151. Here's Gary, and welcome back, everybody, to Hands On Apologetics, and we're going to talk about the fundamentals. You know, uh, things that Catholics need to know and should know, and to help us talk about that, we're going to have a good friend, Keith Nestor, with us. Keith, by the way, is a former pastor and youth pastor for more than twenty years in full time ministry. Served under the United Methodist, Assemblies of God, and Evangelical Free Church uh, in various roles. In 2017, after a 20-year long discernment process, Keith resigned his full-time ministerial position and joined the Catholic Church. He wrote a fantastic book called The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism, Your First Year in the Church. And by the way, uh, since Easter has come up, and many of us, many of us, have, us have friends that, friends that have, have, join the church over easter this would make a fantastic gift for them as kind of like uh, well i guess a guide for their first year in the church you could check out all his great stuff at down to earth or his youtube channel which you just type in keith Nestor. you'll be able to find him right there and keith welcome back to hands-on apologetics my man gary how are you uh, i am i am rocking and rolling here in michigan how are
1: things in iowa we have a little sunshine today. It's been pretty rare here. I may even potentially hop on the motorcycle today for a little cruise around. Haven't done it at all yet this year. So nice. looking forward to getting back out on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Get, uh, get some fresh air. And uh, who knows, maybe, uh, I think, was it last year you cut a video while riding your motorcycle?
1: I made a whole series of videos called, you'll, you'll appreciate this, called Moto Proprio." M-O-T-O, <laughs> as opposed to M-O-T-U, um, uh, riding the motorcycle, awesome. talking about the faith, talking about things. And a lot of people didn't really know what to make of those. They're like, Keith, we don't understand this. Why are you doing this? But, you know, <laughs> because I like to ride the motorcycle and I like to talk about Jesus. So I thought, hey, why not do both?
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You combine everything. Uh, yeah.
1: Why not? Yeah. Anyway, uh, how are you? Absolutely. Oh, well, doing well. Um,
0: like I said, you know, it's... I'm sure it's probably the same in Iowa, Michigan. It's like it was snowing earlier this week. Uh, this weekend's going to be in the 80s. So it's, we're not getting that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just wreaking havoc on, you know, uh, allergies and all sorts of stuff like that. So, but anyway, it's all good. It's all good. Sure. Um, So, uh, you know, when you gave me this title, I, I had to chuckle because it's, it's such a great, um, Three things all Catholics need to know right
1: now. Uh, boy, what an intriguing title. <laughs> well, I I think it was more directed at three things new Catholics need to know right now. Ah, uh, right. Because we just had people joining the church. But I what I what I want to say is applicable to all Catholics, but especially new ones. And you know, the Cradle Catholics will that are, you know, more seasoned in their faith are gonna hear this and they're gonna go, Yep, that's true. But when you join the church, there's a variety of different reactions people can have. Some people join the church and they're like, all right, I got through this crazy process called RCIA or whatever, and now I'm just done. So check that off the off the list of things I need to do. Other people are like, whoa, this is awesome. What am I stepping into? So I, I because I do a lot of ministry with people who are coming into the church and are new converts are thinking about it, that seems to be like at the forefront of my mind, especially this time of year when I've received so many messages from people who have come into the church this, you know, Easter season. And now they're just like, okay, now what do we do? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I,
0: I love your book. Uh, Thank
1: because you. Because
0: it's, it's, I think every RCIA our, our program in the country ought to have Every year order copies and just it's
1: on them. sale right now by the way it's on sale through Sunday if they go to my website not on Amazon if you go to my website okay. um, it's on sale you can get bulk copies you can get um you know package deal to give them to everybody in your in your church that came in um, so through sunday so if, if you're looking to buy a bunch of these books or even just one you can you can do that It'd be a good time
0: yeah yeah and that's through down to earth ministries. Is down respectful?
1: to down to earth ministry as in one so down the number 2 earthministry.org is the website and there's a link on there called the book you just go in there and there's a RC, the code you have to put in is RCIA22 you put that code in at the end when you're checking out you get a discount hey great apologetics hack and
0: yeah i think every every uh rcia in the country should have that book because that would rule uh yeah because i i work with rcia and i know how it, you know uh, non Catholics, they're kind of stepping into a whole different world, and I, as cradle Catholics, we really don't uh, appreciate, you know, the the beautiful new discoveries they're making. But there's also a lot of things that they they're not aware of and not really sure how to get into this Catholic thing. So your book's fantastic at kind of getting them climatized to. Well, you know,
1: thanks, the, Gary. the church. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that a lot. Oh yeah. Let's My, look you want to talk about a couple of these things? I got three of them. I'd absolutely. like to bring up and see where these go. So the the first one is this. This is again, three things new Catholics need to do right now, and I would say all Catholics too. First one is celebrate. You know, um, we we don't always do enough of that. I think, and and when when we see God doing something amazing, we we need to celebrate It's part of our faith. I, I think a lot about the second joyful mystery the visitation. And I look at that as a party, to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. where Mary and Elizabeth come together and Elizabeth exclaims with joy, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is a beautiful thing. And I think that John the Baptist leaps in her womb. This is a celebration at this this meeting together with the Blessed Mother and this little party that they have there, a worship party. it's, It's awesome. And I think as people who are coming into the church have walked through so much to get there. I mean, I mean, becoming Catholic is not like becoming virtually anything else. You don't mm-hmm. you don't just show up one day, drink a cup of coffee with the pastor, and eat a donut in his office, and and uh, you know sign a piece of paper, and you're in the church. You have to go through a lot. And many converts talk to me about the struggles that they've that they have endured both within like the programmatic part of it, all of the classes they need to take, RCA, to things that they have to do in their marriage, to relationships that are affected, to sacrifices that they're made. And many people, Gary, bail on the process when it gets really hard. But the ones that persevere and stick with it and want it so badly that they'll sacrifice anything to get it. And when they finally arrive, now is the time to celebrate. They've spent so much time Dealing with naysayers, dealing with all of the obstacles, dealing with all of the, the the pain and the work. And there's a time and a place for that. but but when you come into the church, I think that there needs to be an incredible time of celebration. I was talking to a friend of mine who who has been through that, and he told me he said after after the the Saturday vigil, they had a reception for us downstairs, and people were so excited that we were coming into the church. and I love hearing that. I love when when people in churches celebrate, when when new folks are coming in, so I think that's that's number one. You know, yeah. we have to we have to take those victories, don't we, Gary? Absolutely. Yeah,
0: in RCA we, uh, we have a retreat right before Easter, and uh, we have a roundtable discussion about your journey. You know, kind of reflecting mm-hmm. on the journey, and it's amazing how candidates and catechumen, uh, the spiritual warfare they go through. You know, things that we aren't even aware of, that just getting up every Sunday to go to RCIA is a battle. So you're absolutely right. I mean, once you've uh, come into the church, it is a time for joy and celebration.
1: It's no joke. And I, I think sometimes we can get so focused on, okay, here's what I have to do, all the work, all the work, all the work. And yes, we should. But you know, Jesus attended a wedding. Jesus talks about the feast in heaven as a banquet you know there's a lot of imagery of that the prodigal son luke chapter 15 there's you know revelation there's all the wedding supper of the lamb i mean there's all of these things that invoke celebration and you have a lot of battles to fight if you want to join the catholic church from with from outside and inside and sometimes you just have to to give yourself permission to be joyful and i think that we as people who are part of the catholic church We need to make a big deal out of that for converts. We need to welcome them in and be so excited. One of my one of my one of my friends I was telling you about said he said all week long, after I came in, people were calling me and texting me, telling me welcome home, congratulations. They were sending me gifts, they were sending me cards. He goes, I I never expected anything to be like any kind of reaction like this, because it's not what we're used to in the in, in other parts of the of of the faith. You know, when you join another type of church. I mean, in ministry, when people would join the church, they would stand up and, and there'd be, you know, people, they'd take their vows to church, people clap. And then that was it. You know, you didn't really talk about it ever again. And for some people that was the end. And I think that when we talk about Catholicism and joining the Catholic church, that time to celebrate is huge. You'll, you'll have your time to deal with all the other stuff, all the negativity, all of the arguments, all of the, like I said, the naysayers, but give yourself Give yourself some time just to rest and celebrate you've you've done a lot of work you 've gone a long way now there needs to be time just to just to savor it in and 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 relax for a minute i think anyway
0: oh yeah absolutely and and as you know, I mean that is such an important part of your life, your life journey, and you only experience it once, so like If you don't take that time and you don't celebrate in the Lord, you know, years from later, you won't have something you reflect back on and say, wow, I remember, you know, how joyful it was that Sunday that I came in.
1: Yeah. 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 And that what what an example that speaks to the world too, isn't it? When yeah. when we get so excited about something, everybody wants to know, well, what is it? Why are we so fired up? Why are we so excited? You you joined the Catholic church. Why is that a big deal? Well, let me tell you why it's a big deal, you know, and then you can just let people know. Um, so be filled with joy and celebrate. So that's number one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we're coming up to a break. So okay. I think it'd be a great place to hit pause there. But as you were talking, what kept going to my mind is like an Exodus with the, uh, where the, the Jews are going through the Red Sea and that God destroys the enemies and they get to the other side. And if I was in the Exodus, I would maybe like say, you know, thank God that's over. Maybe I'd fall to my knees and thank God. But in scripture, what happens is they all break out into a song. You know, it's just like this huge uh, celebration that occurs, and so you're right. It's part of the DNA of God's people that, uh, you know, when you reach, the, reach these important junctions in your spiritual walk, you know, it's time to break out in
1: song. And it's so, totally, I mean, that's what our blessed mother does at the as a visitation, the Magnificat. Yeah. You know, when, and, and I think sometimes we can sacrifice that because we don't want to, we don't want to congratulate ourselves, or we don't want to, um, you know not recognize other people are suffering in the world. There's a time for all that. I think about when Jesus sure. said, um, you won't always have the poor, but you'll always have me. You know, like, why are we why are we worshiping Jesus' extravagant way when the woman dumped the spike nard on him? You know, shouldn't that money be given to the poor? And some people are like, well, why are you celebrating? There's so much evil in the world. You know, you'll have time to deal with that. But But in the moment where you are recognizing what a beautiful, wonderful thing it is to be joined to Christ in his church, really just give yourself a break from all of the other stuff and celebrate that's that's so important and i think that the lord wants that for for us i think he he desires that we encounter that joy and i think that that's that has to be a mutual thing it's hard to celebrate by yourself right? That's right. So yep. We all need to celebrate too, on behalf of these, of these new folks that have come into our church too. Absolutely.
0: We're chatting with Keith Nestor of Down to Earth Ministries. Uh, go to downtoearth.org. Talking about three things new Catholics should know right now.
1: This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
0: Author of the book, A Catholic Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism. Sorry, The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism. Got that right. Talking about three things that uh new Catholics need to do and know right now. And we just talked about the necessity of celebration. And of course, you know, Easter Vigil, we're primed for celebration because we've gone through Lent, you know, the fasting, the covering of the icons. Uh, you know, the Christ's real presence being removed from the, the church, and then all of a sudden Easter Sunday comes. And it's just, it is a joyful uh, season, and especially it's great to share that joy with those who just came into the church.
1: Amen. Amen. Celebrate. Celebrate. Okay, so you want to know what number two is, Garrett? Yeah, I'm absolutely. i are dying to know. Okay, so number two is this. Set realistic goals for what it's going to look like for you to be a new Catholic, especially in your first year, okay. set realistic goals. Now, now setting goals in the first place may seem a little bit like, what are you talking about? Set a goal. Why do I need to set a goal? Wasn't this the goal to become Catholic? Yes, that is the goal. But now, I mean, you didn't just become Catholic, hopefully, and thought, well, you're done. You know, now what's it going to look like for you to function as a Catholic, to, to be in the church as an active member and growing in your faith? And a lot of people that come in that are fired up, you know, and and let me just preface this. I'm not talking about, you know I, know, I know there are people that just joined the Catholic Church because they're trying to make somebody else happy. They don't really care about it. They're getting married or they're trying to please. So I, I understand all that. Hmm. You know, I'm talking about people who have joined because they really want to be part of the church and they're planning on not just uh, disappearing. And we'll talk about that one uh, later, But but setting realistic goals for what it's going to be like. And so set some goals, first of all, but make, make sure they're realistic. And here's, here's what, here's what I mean. And this, this really essentially is one of the reasons why I wrote my book because I, and I wrote it after my first year, I didn't write it like right away. I wrote it after, and I was reflecting on what was my first year like in the church. And there were so many amazing things about my first year in the church, but there were some hard things too. And, one of the hard things was I felt at times like I wasn't doing enough, okay? I wasn't able to experience all of the things about the Catholic faith that I had hoped to. Because why? Because I wanted to experience everything right now. Yeah. And anybody who's been Catholic for longer than about 15 minutes will tell you that's impossible. Because there's so many things, Gary, that are that are a part of our faith that are awesome, and we, you can't do all of them at the same time immediately. Right. So set some goals. I remember every time somebody would talk to me and hand me some new thing, like a, th- here's a different scapular, here's a different uh, rosary, here's a different book, here's a different devotion. I was thinking to myself, oh, okay, I'm going to do that one. Then I'm going to do that one. Then I'm going to do this. And pretty soon you can find yourself feeling so overwhelmed that you just throw your hands up and go, I can't do any of this stuff. Right. So set some realistic goals. Don't try to take everything on at the same time. I don't know. Maybe you can relate to that, Gary.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're like a, a kid in a candy shop. You know. Yeah. There's so many different things out there. And uh, what you said, I, I know lots of people who experience the same thing. They become Catholic, and they just want to do it all. And in a way, you know, especially with devotional material, devotional material is not meant to be, you know, just engorged in and and you know, uh, left aside. It's it's there's a whole process and discerning like what devotion is right for me. What kind of devotion do I need? And uh, there's a temptation to just do all of the above, and then you end up doing none of the above.
1: Yeah, and and the hard part is. Is feel is is recognizing that it's okay to say no or not yet to some things. I had a really hard time with that because when I was starting to discover, like, well, I'll just give you an example, right? When I was starting to discover the rosary and praying the rosary, um, you know, every couple of days somebody would email me, "Hey, do you know about the Seven Sorrows Rosary? Do you know about the this devotion, that that devotion? Do you know, hey, what about the Chaplet of Divine Mercy? What about this? What about that?" And all these good things that are awesome, but sometimes, sometimes I found myself feeling like I can't do all of these things at once. I'm still trying to figure this one thing out, and it it was hard. But I eventually got to a point where I just started just saying, you know, it's okay for me to focus on this one thing and really dig into it and savor every bite. You know, you talked about engorging yourself. The Catholic faith is not like going to the golden corral. Where there's every kind of thing you can possibly put on your plate. And I mean, you've seen that. Mm-hmm. The Catholic faith is like going to a fine dining gourmet restaurant where they're gonna bring you a nine-course meal, but they're gonna be small portions and they're gonna give you an entire night to to work through it. They're not I mean, you, you know what it's like when you go to a restaurant and you want to relax. I mean, there's sometimes you go to a restaurant, you're like, I'm so hungry and I'm in a hurry. But that's not the way the Catholic faith is. So you, you go to a restaurant. And you want to enjoy your evening. You want to just be relaxed and, and and savor every moment. And you know what it's like when you order an appetizer and your entree and they bring you your appetizer. And before you even take two bites of it, your entree shows up. Right. right. Now, some people are like, sweet. But if we're not in a hurry, you, you always kind of go, oh, man, they should have waited. You know, or what's even worse is when they bring you the entree first, then the appetizer comes out later, you know, and that's, that's just like, what, but you know what I'm talking about? Like in Catholicism, you want to savor every little thing piece by piece so you can really taste and see and, and experience it. But to do that, you have to learn how to say no or not yet to some very good things. And that can be tough for new people because they don't want to say no. They want to experience it all. They want to to get the full the full deal. And you have to remember, you've got your whole life into eternity to explore this treasure chest of Catholicism. But make make the most of what you have in front of you and set realistic goals. So um, you know, what may be a realistic goal. And that, you know, of course, that's relative to who you are. But maybe a realistic goal is I'm going to start praying the rosary every day. And that might be all you can do for the first year. You know, and of course, I'm talking in addition to, you know, weekly mass and, and you know, sacramental things like going to reconciliation and that type of stuff. I'm not saying that, well, it's, a, you know, I'm setting a realistic goal of going to church once a month. No, 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 no. I'm talking about beyond the things that we are required to do. Right. But maybe that's your goal. And you just say, look, I just want to pray the rosary every day. Or I want to start going to daily mass an additional day, one time per week. You know, don't bite everything off at the very beginning and then set yourself up for failure because we all know this This is true of so many things in life, Gary. Hmm. If we put too high of expectations on ourselves and then we can't make it, there's oftentimes a tendency to just throw our hands up and, and just give up and say, I can't do it.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, you have to, um, um, you know, think of the faith as a long distance run, not a sprint. You know, absolutely. And, and you can always add things. That's the other thing I, I think it's important: is uh, shoot low, but you could always add things as you go along. Maybe it's pray the rosary once a week. And then you find yourself, wow, you know, I have lots of spare time. I'm really enjoying the rosary. I mean, I could always up it, you know. But if yeah. you're going to say, I'm going to do the rosary twice a day every day, you know, uh, you get burned out. And uh, and then what happens? Then you're devo- then you you're off the schedule, and you know, you're not growing.
1: I mean, that's just the truth of life, isn't it? I mean, how many people yeah. in the beginning of the year joined a gym, started a diet, and had all of these you know, high expectations of I'm going to do this, 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 to this. And then when they couldn't keep up with it, they just said, ah, forget it. And they just went back to their old ways and they got nowhere, worse than nowhere. You know, I don't, I don't want that to happen to people because here's a sad truth, Gary. Half of the people that came in this Easter will not stick around for five years. Half of the converts that came into the church will be gone within five years. And I just can't tolerate that. I cannot handle that. Hearing that, it just makes me crazy. So I'm trying as hard as I can, because I'm still in that, you know, this is my, this is my five year mark here for me this year. Okay, I came in in 2017. So at the 20, 2022, in October 8th, this will be five years for me. And I can't imagine uh not being Catholic, but it breaks my heart to think of other people that came in when I came in, or or even later that have already bailed on it. And mm-hmm. I, I just want to do whatever I can to help people avoid that. And not just, uh, not just like, oh, I made it, I didn't quit, but to really be thriving and growing in your faith. Right. So I think part of it is, is learning. Okay. You don't have to do it all at once, especially in the beginning, but what you do have to do is, is savor everything that you are doing, make it more meaningful, you know, less is more sometimes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's in addition to, you know, uh, the things that you should be doing, like weekly mass and and so on and so forth, uh, frequent confession. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, even that, you know, it's interesting, Keith. I know some people who came from, like, Baptist tradition where church attendance really wasn't emphasized. And so one of the struggles they have becoming Catholic is, you know, at least every Sunday, to yeah. mass. So if you're in that category, that definitely should be on your to-do list, you know, to just get acclimatized to weekly mass.
1: For some people that's huge because you're 100% right. And I think it was I can't remember which denomination. I feel like it was this the Assemblies of God that had to and probably some others too. They had to adjust their own internal metric of what they referred to as an active member <laughs> in their church. Because active like when they would say how many people are part of your church, how many members do you have? Well, how many how many attenders and how many active members? They had to adjust that from it used to be an active member was three times a month. Now they say active members are one time a month. I mean, can you imagine? Like in Catholicism, that's that's not what we mean by active member. One time a month, that's you know. Yeah. Without grave reason or without good reason, that's mortal sin. I mean, that's we're we're so completely far the other way. So that just that culture of of this is what we do as Catholics. We worship the Lord every Lord's Day. That in and of itself, for a lot of people, is going to be a lot to bite off. So maybe that's where you start. Like I said, it depends on where you are naturally. Um, But at, at the very least, make sure you're doing the things that are required by the Church. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. We're chatting with Keith Nestor, talking about uh, three things that new Catholics need to know and do right now. More to come right after the break. You're listening to Hands-On Apologetics. Now, back to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Here's Gary. And welcome back, everybody. We are chatting with Keith Nestor of downtoearthministry.org. Also Keith Nestor has awesome uh, ministry on YouTube. Just type in Keith Nestor and check it out for yourselves. We're talking about three things that new Catholics uh, need to know right now. And so far we talked about first the need to celebrate, to rest in the Lord and give praise to God for uh, the great uh, event of coming into the church. The other one's to make a, a practical plan some goals uh, for your first year things to uh, maybe be willing to push aside and, and wait on and other things to uh, be mindful and tackle so what's the third thing Keith
1: third one is kind of related to the second one but it's a little bit different more of a mindset of of looking at your Catholic faith with a long lens and recognizing that you are not done learning, okay? Sometimes, I mean, RCIA is a long process that you go through. You learn a lot of stuff. You know, I I didn't go through RCIA, but I had to read this book that was like this thick called The Introduction to Roman Catholicism for Adults. I'm like, that's the intro? Wow. (laughs) You you see, you learn a lot, you talk about a lot, and then you can get to the end and you can be like, okay, I'm done right Recognize this, you are just beginning. You're just beginning. I mean, we've all heard that old joke that how do you get rid of, of bats in the attic of a church? You uh, baptize them and confirm them and make them members, and then they will disappear forever. And you know I remember as uh, when I worked in Protestant ministry, we used to do confirmation in when the kids were in eighth grade. And it was a pretty it was a pretty rigorous process. They had to go to a, a week-long summer camp with us. They had to go through weekly classes. They had to do a lot of stuff. It was a big deal to be confirmed. It was a big commitment. And then we would have this big this big service on Sunday. The kids would come forward with their parents. We'd lay hands on them. We'd pray for them. We'd welcome them into the church as adult members. And it was like, all right, you've arrived. And I also refer to confirmation as the last day we ever see you again, you know, because 90% of them— would would they just vanish and their families would vanish and it was almost like they they viewed that time as okay this is what we have to do to call ourselves good Methodists or good Christians or whatever but once I've once I'm a, once I'm a member then I'm a member so whether I'm in the church whether I worship the ch- at the church or, or not it doesn't really matter I'm I'm still a member right and that's the goal here mm-hmm. and I, I we we just can't have that mentality in the Catholic Church we can't feel like this is the end. We have to remember this is the beginning. So I guess if I would synthesize that down to the the last thing new Catholics need to know is this, you are just getting started. You, you aren't done. You aren't done. You've just begun. You haven't, you haven't reached the finish line. You've reached the start, okay? Everything that you've done up to this point has been just waiting to get to the starting line. Now you begin the journey uh, of of being a Catholic. And that might seem hard to believe because you've done so much just to get there, but now is when it begins. So have that mindset of, I'm always going to be growing. I'm always going to be learning. I'm always going to be moving forward and I'm always going to be challenged. And so it's, it's a, it's a mindset thing. And that's where those goals come in for the, for the, the second truth. How do you get through that? How do you, how do you move through it without, feeling like i'm over and done with so i guess if if the if the thing that i was dealing with in the truth number two was for the person who was going to take on too much i think for this third truth i'm talking to the person who's going to try to do too little okay Mm -hmm. who feels like i'm done i don't need to do anything because there's certain types of people gary some of us are more prone to take on too much and some of us are more prone to take on too little and there's we all have to we all have to walk the same road in that we all have to be people who are um, moving into this thing with the best mindset that we can. So yeah. recognize that you're not done; you're just getting started. And that's a, that's a great thing that Cradle Catholics know. Like they're they're always like, huh, yeah, I'm still learning things every day." Um, I've never met the Catholic who's just like, oh, I know it all. I've got it all figured out. You know, some people kind of put off that vibe. But most of the people I talk to in the church that have been Catholics for years, even their whole lives, they're just like, wow, that's something new I didn't know. Or they're they're They still enjoy learning that. And I I find that to be more of a Catholic thing than 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 I have ever experienced before in Protestantism. There there seems to be like in, in at least my experience in Protestantism, you know, and I know everybody's different. There, there seems to be this real push for knowledge initially in your salvation and in your faith, and then you kind of hit this point where you feel like you know everything, and then your whole existence now is revolving around telling other people the stuff that you already know. Hmm. But you don't have this mindset of, wow, I'm still learning and growing like a child. But in Catholicism, it's totally different. You know, if you look at the lives of the saints, if you look at our heroes in the faith, these weren't people who acted like they knew everything. They were people who were humble. They were people who recognized the the, the grandeur and 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 glory of God and how small they are in comparison, and how much there is to always learn and grow and experience. And that's one of the beautiful things about being Catholic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, to use an analogy, uh, you've done so much traveling. Uh, You appreciate, like, uh, the vacation movies and stuff where, you know, look, kids, the Grand Canyon, then everybody's back in the car. Or look, there's the ocean, and then everybody's back in the car. And that's kind of like RCIA, you know, as a a person who who gives instruction and so on RCIA. You know, we give these little glimpses of the faith. You know, it's like here's the Grand Canyon, here's the Pacific Ocean, whatever. But, you know, that's just glimpses. You could spend your whole life at the – that Grand Canyon before you truly appreciate all its beauty, you know? Yeah. And so, and you should. yeah, exactly. Otherwise it, it's kind of superficial and artificial. And so I, I think that third point is right on the nose that, you know, uh, be prepared because this is going to be a lifelong journey where you're just going to get deeper and deeper, you know, head over heels in love with Christ and
1: his wisdom. <clears throat> One of the things I tell people when they're talking to me about hey keith i just became catholic i tell them or they're getting ready to i say get ready for the adventure of a lifetime because our catholic faith is the adventure of a lifetime it's not something that is boring and stale and dull if it is you're doing it wrong okay and it's not something that you just experience for a week or two at a time you know where you're like you go to a retreat or you go to a camp or you go to some event and you're all on fire but then you go back to your dull lame boring parish it's not supposed to be that way Okay, the, the, the journey that the church takes us on in the liturgy, in the readings, in the mass, it is a journey that it never stops. And we must immerse ourselves in that journey, in that drama, in that adventure. And when we do, God has an incredible ministry for us, an incredible plan for us. And that's, what, that's why it is an adventure. It's, it's, it's an incredible uh, thing to be a part of. So you can't ever have this mindset of, yep, did that, done that. Um, I'm I'm Catholic, you know Now I just kind of go back to the rest of my boring life The same way it was And this is where I go to church now instead of the other place yeah. it, it, Like I said, if you're doing it that way You're doing it wrong and And you haven't arrived Just because you have now come into the church officially You've only just begun And that's a huge thing That new Catholics need to know And I find that it's a thing That cradle Catholics already know Because, you know, like I said So many people I've talked to even in their, their old age, some of them are still telling me, man, I'm learning new things every day. And that, that's just a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it, as long as you're curious and you keep uh, digging and learning, uh, you'll run into some big surprises. And I know in your own life, like oh. you, the big surprise of the rosary, you know, that, that was like life-changing
1: for you. It, it's been incredible. I mean, we've been praying the rosary live on, on YouTube every day for well over two years now. Every single day. So that means when I travel, we're praying the rosary someplace. If I'm at a cabin in the mountains, I'm praying the rosary. If I'm in a city, if I'm, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm stopping to pray the rosary live on YouTube every day at five o'clock central, you know, and that's just, that happened to me within the first three years of my becoming Catholic. And I, so like, what, what's next? (laughs) <laughs> you know, like I wonder, like, what does God have for me in the next five years? What what is it that he's going to do in my life? I mean, one thing that's that, uh, is going to be super cool is, you know, I'm going to be leading a pilgrimage to uh, to um, Mexico City to go see the tilma in January. That's and awesome. that's like been on my bucket list to go. And I'm going to get to be a part of a group that's 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 going. And, and I'll be actually like leading the rosary from down there. It's going to be incredible. So I'm like, OK, God has so many great things in store. We just have to be willing to step out and do that and never feel like, nope, I'm good, you know, which I know people might say, oh, didn't you say in truth too? you got to say no to things? Y- y- yes and no. You have to build things realistically. You know, if I would have tried to do all this stuff in the first first year, which there were some things I failed miserably at because I, I just couldn't keep up. But once you find your groove and you keep moving forward, recognizing that it doesn't all have to happen at once, but that you need to also always be moving forward, then incredible things can happen. No doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, right. I mean, you you plan your goals for your first year, but then there's the second and third year. And of course, that discernment process should always be done in prayer. You know, what does the Holy Spirit have his finger on, you know, that interests me? and when you pursue it be prepared for shock and awe you know like you like with the rosary and god has this whole path for you keith and the whole ministry has bloomed you know just because one day you thought hey this might be a good
1: idea to do hey you know that's is that's true for all of us you know the the Lord has called us into His church for His purposes, and if you read, you know I, I love where we are in the readings this time of year. We're looking in Acts to see what God, He He's been setting this up with these apostles, and now they're 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 going for it, and they're doing the work of the kingdom of heaven, and that work doesn't stop. They didn't say, okay, we did it, we got through the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus ascended. Now we're good. We're just going to set up a little shop here and have our little church and just kind of go through the motions. No, they they were like God is is calling us to bring the gospel into all of the world. And man, it's still going. Yeah. And that's what we're celebrating is that we're part of this thing. We're not just reading about it and going, oh, that was a nice history thing. It's like we are. This is our this is who we are. we are. We're in that story. We are that story. These days. And God's got so much in store for us uh, as Catholics that we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep being excited. We have to keep celebrating. And when people, when new people come in, you know, that's where we're just like, hey, welcome home. Let's party and then let's get to work because God's got incredible ministry for all of us. And this world needs it. God knows that. And we know it too.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Keith, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it.
1: I love being here, Gary. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, well, we love having you, my friend. And by the way, folks, go to Down to the letter, or number 2, earthministry.org. Check out his stuff, or go to YouTube. Just type in Keith Nestor. Wow. Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, The hour's flown. Coming up next, High Impact Catholic Talk coming at you with the Terry and Jesse Show. Thank you so much for listening. God willing, we'll be back again tomorrow. Do this thing we call hands-on apologetics. Bye-bye, everybody.